Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua and Selmo, talking to you guys about your favorite team in the National Hockey League, your Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs have had a very interesting start to the season. I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know that as well. If you're a big Leafs fan um, or even just a casual fan, they've had an up and down start, 5-4-2, and two. they currently sit 6th in the Atlantic and they host the very good Boston Bruins tomorrow night but today's episode is going to be an interesting one Nicholas Abe-Kubel was waived uh, that's an interesting move six games into the season um, we're going to talk about what happens with management and this roster and the main part of it though is going to be why it's okay to just breathe and you know what as a bonus I'll talk about Eric Carlson um, so to start off for those of you that don't know, um, you know, it's been a while since I last recorded midterms with school and stuff like that. It's been all over the place, but my content never stops. I've actually started working for Inside the Rink as, you know, a rating contributor, writing about the Maple Leafs. I uh, cover the post games. Um, we have a great team there, like a fantastic team that covers the Leafs for um, Inside the Rink. The Leafs Late Night Podcast is kind of like the main podcast for the network for the Leafs coverage. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of that podcast. Listen to it routinely. Always, you know, tell you guys when I get the chance on the show to go check it out after this one, of course. Um, but also Nathan Bondi. He deserves a shout out. Uh, he's another writer for Leafs with uh, Inside the Rink. You can follow him at Nathan underscore Bondi. He writes a lot of the pregame stuff for the Maple Leafs. His work is awesome. Really enjoy reading his articles. And then there's also Mike the Fanatic on Twitter. This is another, you know, writer with the team that he does some great work. Um, you know, writes post games along with me as well. He also has, you know, some Player of the Week articles to come out. These are all great follows for sure on Twitter. And the coverage we bring you guys, I promise you, is so much better than the stuff you get from the main media outlets. A lot of the main media outlets beat the negative narratives and, you know, aren't really, I guess, it's hard to say, like, not really Leaf fans, but, like, like, as a a Leaf fan, you don't want to hear, like, how the team sucks and, like, okay, we get it, we're struggling. Like, it was a slow start. Like, Like, I don't know about you guys, but I get so frustrated hearing the same, like, there were so many articles about how Sheldon Keefe made a terrible decision or a very dangerous decision benching Marner and, oh, this and that. And now it's like how Matthews didn't fight. Like, like, come on. Like, this is a very good hockey team. You put this team in any other market and they would be thrilled no matter what team. This is a team that's got top-end talent and they're knocking on the door of success. And if you don't believe me, go ask people around the league. I've spoken to teams from tons of other fan bases and they all say the same thing you know the, the good fans not the fans that are just haters and you know oh make it out of the first round like the real hockey fans appreciate how good this team is and you know what go check out all the names i just mentioned because trust me you're really going to enjoy you know all of our perspectives and you know speaking on behalf of myself i always try and bring the best content i possibly can 
I work very hard on trying to bring the best of the sports uh, coverage that I can, no matter if it's on the Battleborn Leafs, Raptors, Blue Jays, Argos, no matter what podcast uh, I'm bringing to you guys or writing, it's always my best effort. So if you guys can go, you know, check it out. Inside the Rink um, covers all teams, uh, even minor league affiliates and all stuff like that. Fantastic website. I highly, highly suggest you guys go check it out. Um, and it's free coverage, ho- free hockey coverage. Um, you're not going to want to miss it. So check them, check them out. Best, best thing you're going to do. Positive narratives, awesome, you know, writers, awesome articles, the best content and relatively quick too. It's a great team. So everybody from all around that works for the website and the company, I highly suggest you follow, uh, because it's the next up and coming thing. And, you know, like I said, you, it's not hard to find negative narratives. So if you want the positive stuff and the real stuff, you know, using analytics to back up the information, stuff like that, like in my articles, I try and use analytics a ton because analytics can help you a lot along with the eye test. So I'm not a pure analytics preacher, but I think it's a very useful tool, especially if you compare it with the eye test. So let's start with this Leafs team right now. You know, enough of the uh, talk to start off. The offense is a bit sluggish. Uh, they're 21st in the league right now, averaging 2.91 goals a game. They shoot um, in the mediocre area, 14th in the league. The power play has been top 10, not the best, though. Credit to John Tavares, who's been a monster on the power play. Uh, but defensively, it's where this team has been pretty good. They don't allow very many shots on goal. They don't allow a lot of goals. They're just outside the top 10 there. Uh, their penalty kill hasn't been great. That's something that's going to need some work. But this is a team that, you know, despite all the negatives – like they aren't as bad as like in their last 10 games, they're five, three and two. And you know, Austin Matthews, he hasn't, he's been so unlucky. And that was the first that I actually wrote about this um, in my last article was that Austin Matthews, the goals are going to come. And why is that? Because his shooting percentage is at an all time low right now. It should not be what it is right now um, based on his uh, career trajectory. Right now, Matthews is shooting. Hold on, let me pull it up for you guys um, because this is a stat that I, I really take a lot of interest in because it kind of, he, it's moving up. So now Matthews is at 7.1%. The league average is about 12. Um, so Matthews at 7.1, is definitely going to work his way back up into the 12. I believe the last time I checked, it was around 6.3. So it's good to see that it's starting to go up. You know, he has goals in consecutive games. Um, I think he's showing you tons of signs that he is still arguably the second or maybe the best player in hockey. Like, like Austin Matthews, like it's a down stretch. It happened last season too. He's still a guy that I love that plays, you know, both ways. Um, but like I said, I think there's a lot of stuff that's blown out of proportion right now. And Austin Matthews is the face of thing. Goals are going to come. There's a lot of bad bounces. Like I've never seen a player get so unlucky like Austin Matthews is right now. Like there's just been goal posts hit left and right. Uh, there'll be times on the power play where the puck just bounces over a stick or, you know, maybe his stick will break or he just lands it right in the chest of the goaltender. It's been, it's been crazy, but eventually these goals are going to come. And if there's any chance you get Austin Matthews, if you play in a fantasy hockey league right now for cheap, smash it because the analytics prove um, that he is bound to find his same uh, progression as last year. His expected goals are up near the higher ends of the league. And, you know, watching the eye test, it's pretty obvious. And, you know, like I said, you look at Mitch Marner too. Mitch Marner's been the, the face of criticism. 
Like, come on, Mitch Marner. Like nine game, nine. Uh, sorry, um, coming into the last game, he had nine points in ten games, and then the Leafs beat the Philadelphia Flyers five two, and he had a pretty good night. Like, you know, Mitch two assists. That those were his actual stats. So see, like that, that's what I don't mean. Like, the media here is so tough on these players, and it doesn't make sense because these guys. They're phenomenal players. John Tavares had a fantastic start to the season. His hat trick against the Flyers, credit to him, fantastic performance. But it's okay to breathe with the Stars. The Stars are going to start performing like the Stars. It's crazy how Marner has almost like you know, well, uh, almost point per game over, um, and yet we're acting like he has maybe like one point in like ten games. Like it's ridiculous. But today's episode, it's mainly going to be about the Boston Bruins game tomorrow. Um, we're going to talk a little about Eric Carlson as well. But first point, the goals are going to come for 34. So just relax. The second point I'm going to make is Ilya Samsonov. Samsonov has been so good this season, man. So good to start off the year. And, you know, I feel like he's not getting the, the you know, the recognition he deserves. He's 5-2-0, a 2.30 goals against average, a 9.20 save percentage. Um, let me pull up the advanced numbers now. So for Ilya Samsonov, um, amongst all starting goaltenders in the league, he's actually been the ninth best. The only goaltenders ahead of him have been Carter Hart, who's been insane this year. 12 goals saved above expected. It's just absurd. Credit to Carter Hart. Tweeted this out on my Twitter a couple days ago uh, on Wednesday when the Leafs took on the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. They were lucky that they didn't have to face him, but credit to him, he has been stellar this year. And Jake Ottinger as well. You know, he just got injured, but 10.1 goals saved above expected. Hellebuck, he's always been good. My favorite goaltender that's not on the Leafs after Marc-Andre Fleury. So, Connor Hellebuck, he's stud. Eight goals saved above expected. But, you know, you go through Sorokin. Sorokin was my pick for, um, you know, to win the Vesna. So, Sorokin not really surprising. But Jake Allen, Darcy Kemper, Stuart Skinner, Logan Thompson has been real good. But after that, it's Elias Samsonov. And Samsonov has outperformed. Listen to this. Has outperformed. Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky, Jacob Markstrom. Um, if you want to put Alexander Gorgiev in that kind of category, I, I guess so. But that just goes to show you that he, like, he's been a top 10 goaltender so far. And when he was signed, I don't think a lot of people expected that. I think he deserves credit for that um, because, you know, he's a guy that wanted to prove himself he wanted to bank on himself kind of show you know what his worth was after being let go by the washington capitals and one thing ellie friedman said when i was on the 32 thoughts or sorry when i went to one of the 32 thoughts tours um in markham he said that one thing about sam sonov was the league kind of found that like if it if you were a russian-born player and it didn't work in washington they were a little bit, you know, conservative with taking that risk and shot with you because if you can't make it work in Washington, uh, I don't think they ever thought you were pretty much going to work it. That was basically what he said. I'm, that's not an exact quote. It's like a paraphrase, but I think it was kind of close from what I remember. And that really stuck out to me because, you know, Sam Sonov, young first-round pick, I think for sure he had, you know, tons of other offers, multi-year offers maybe from other teams. But he knew that Toronto was going to have the spotlight and Toronto was going to need a very good – Number two option, given that Matt Murray's injury history has been, you know, show forth, and that happened pretty quickly here. But credit to Sam Samsonov, he's been top ten for sure so far. 
And, you know, one more point I'm going to make here before going to the third thing is a lot of people are talking about Shalgren. And here's my thoughts on that. So Shalgren hasn't been great in the three games he's played. Um, he has a minus 2.3 goal saved above expected. The eye test shows you, you know, in my opinion, I think the Leafs got too comfortable with the game against San Jose and starting Shalgren. If Sansonov starts that game, in my opinion, you win that game. I think the whole narrative around this Leafs team changes when you're like 5-3-1 coming to Toronto to play Philadelphia, and now you're 6-3-1. I think the season outlook from there changes tremendously. Um, you know, Shalgren, and then you had the game against Anaheim where he didn't look great either. So it's... Definitely a bit interesting, the fact that we're not going to have Murray still for the foreseeable future. But there's been a lot of... Like, Shalgren was the third goalie. And I don't think that's talked about... Like, Matt Murray wasn't expected to get hurt this early. And I don't think Kyle Lubis or Sheldon Keefe or anybody in management really thought that they were going to have to see Shalgren already three times this season. But there's a lot of fans out there calling for Dubas to, you know, to move on from Dubas, move on from Keefe and all that. And, you know, this about... Eric Schalgren, but Eric Schalgren with third goalie expectations right now is outperforming. Listen to this. And of course, there's tons of other things to consider. But right now, Eric Schalgren has been the 50th best goaltender in the National Hockey League among 68 goaltenders that have started games so far this season. You want to know who he's outperformed? Number one, just behind him at 51, Freddie Anderson, former Leaf goaltender, has a two point minus three. Sorry. Minus 2.3 goals saved above expected. Uh, ranked as the 51st best goaltender right now. Just behind Freddie Anderson at 52. Former Leaf goaltender Peter Mrazek. Mrazek. Um, yeah, he got hurt again. But Mrazek in three games so far is a minus 2.8. Goals saved above expected. Behind Mrazek at 53 is actually one of the goaltenders that a lot of the Leafs fan base was preaching for in Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, he's been the 53rd best goaltender so far. This one's surprising because the Devils are a great hockey team, and they have been for a couple seasons now in the in the analytics categories. They just haven't gone the, gotten the goaltending, and this year Jesper Bratt looks like he's taking a step. John Marino's been huge for them, and I guess they're just getting barely enough goaltending from Vanacek and Blackwood, but Blackwood has not been good, and that was a guy that a lot of Leafs Nation was really targeting Yaroslav Halak hasn't been good. He's ranked 54, but at 55 is former Leaf goaltender Jack Campbell. And this one's interesting because this was the guy that a lot of Leafs fans wanted back. He's played seven games so far. He has a minus 3.1 goal saved above expected. That puts him, you know, at 55, making the salary he is, not having the track record that he does. That's a gamble of a contract, and you're really starting to see it now with the Oilers because Stuart Skinner has been, you know, analytics-wise, the seventh best goalie in the league. He has 5.6 goals saved above expected. Like, he's been good, and I watched the game last night. The Oilers took on the Devils, and, yeah, they collapsed at the end, but Stuart Skinner was pretty solid for majority of that game. And, you know, you got to think Shesterkin, Markstrom, Vasilevsky. I would even think, like, if you wanted to – like a Billy Huso maybe, or um, Tristan Jari. Like Demko is a lock, in my opinion, to bounce back. But, you know, I think these are goaltenders that are eventually going to find their way into the top end. So I don't know how good Carter Hart and, you know, um, Jake Allen are going to stay, Stuart Skinner. Darcy Kemper is good, but I, I just don't see him as like a top, top elite goaltender. But 
Samsonov has definitely been the real deal in that for the Maple Leafs. But now the third thing to talk about, reinforcements are coming. And, you know, we're going to translate into the pregame now against the Bruins. But reinforcements are coming in Timothy Lilligren and Jordy Ben, Both guys that were brought in by Dubas and Vision to have at the start of the season. Unfortunately, Lilligren's injury sent him back. It was around this date, actually, where I was looking when the news first came out against the Bruins. That was the target date. Um, but Lilligren's been missed, man. He's got quick speed. Um, he's got a good first step as a defenseman. You know, he's a little bit smaller, so his physicality isn't what he's known for. But his puck moving ability, um, you know, the way he's able to play in all facets of the game, like he's a tremendous young and up-and-coming guy. How he's going to do long-term is certainly something that, you know, it's up for debate. But Logan's a guy I really think can take that next step. I think he could be a part of this team's future. And, you know, Morgan Riley's had a really tough start to the season. And he played a chunk with Morgan Riley last season. So I feel like Morgan Riley getting a right-hand shot that's pretty mobile, that's good with moving the puck. You know, it's a little bit more defensive-minded than Morgan Riley is and allows Morgan to, you know, kind of explore the offensive zone. Now, there was times where Lilligren's inexperience got the Leafs in some really, really bad situations, uh, which is going to happen because, you know, Lilligren's still young and developing. But so far, he looks like he's showing all the signs of he's getting better and better every year. And, you know, this is a tough team and a tough opponent he's going to get in Boston right out the gate. So if he does play tomorrow night, then... Timothy Lilligren is going to have his hands full, and I would like to see him back with Morgan Riley just to kind of envision. Obviously, you know, we're going to have to lower the expectations. First game back coming from a pretty serious injury, so maybe he doesn't have the, the strongest open night, maybe limited ice time, and they ease him back in. So, But when he's fully ready to go and they ramp him up, I, th- I would love to see Lilligren back on the top um, with Morgan. But Jordy Ben, you know, the injury to Jake Muzzin, and I got to say, man, like I love Jake Muzzin. I do, and the, the news yesterday was heartbreaking. Like about, you know, there was news how they don't know what the next hit Jake Muzzin or the next hit that Jake Muzzin suffers could look like. Like, that's scary, man. And, you know, I love the sport of hockey, but at that point, like, just think about all the other things. You have a family, right? You you know, like stuff like that. Just, I don't, I, I really hope he considers all at stake because, yeah, it's easy to say, like, oh, no, bring Jake Muzzin back, blah, 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 like, as a fan perspective, but as the person in Jake Muzzin, you know, a local guy, he's been through a tremendous amount of injuries already. Uh, I just wrote a player profile for Inside the Rink about, you know, you know his career and stuff like that, and I didn't even know that he had herniated disc surgery. Or, I, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say herniated. I'm not sure what it was. I'm pretty sure it was a herniated disc, though. Sir, uh, or... I, I don't know. Just go read the player profile. It says in there. It, but I didn't know he got major surgery that young and caused him to miss a lot of time. But for Jake Muzzin, Jordy Ben is kind of that, like, cheaper replacement, plays a similar style, defensive-based, more physical, sandpaper, uh, not going to bring tons of offensive, you know, I guess prowess to the game, but it's more shutdown hockey. Uh, he's not at the level Jake Muzzin plays at, you know, Obviously, one is a top-end defenseman. One is kind of a bottom six, seventh D. But uh, Jordy Ben's going to be, I guess, welcomed here because uh, he plays that similar style that this Leafs decor is now going to lose in Jake Muzzin if he does decide to not return the season. But I really hope he does, but I really want him to consider all things because I love Muzzin, but family comes first and health is the most important. So let's talk about the Bruins now. 
The Bruins are good. They're 10, 1, and 0. I caught their game last night against the Rangers before I flipped on the Oilers and Devils game. This was a good game. It was end-to-end. Linus Olmark, 8, 0, and 0, a 2.17 goals against average, a 9.29 save percentage with a shutout. Easily should be 7, 1, and 0. He got pulled against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Unfortunately, Swayman went down with a pretty serious injury after Bergeron crashed into him. So he went back into that game. The Bruins come back to win. So, you know, Linus ends up with the win, actually. Um, 929 to 8%. He's been, he's been good uh, for Boston. But if you look, he's hasn't been outperforming Sansonov, technically. He's played two more games than Ilya, but Ilya still has a better um, goal save of expected. Um, goal saved above expected per 60, a save percentage on unblocked shots um, is the only thing that Linus Allmark really has the advantage of over Samsonov right now. But, you know, Allmark's beatable. Same with Samsonov, I have to say. But Allmark, I, I've noticed he's given up some shots from the slot that he's having tough time tracking and, you know, beating him over the blocker and towards the glove. You can get him up high. He likes to go down quickly. And, you know, he's a taller goaltender. So I guess... He's kind of like me since we both play the same position. Like I'm a guy that kind of likes to get, to, you know, get low as quickly as possible in my stance, because this way I feel like you know it's a more comfort, I guess, play style, uh, that, to know that you know you're gonna save the low shots, or I guess the myth is to target all the taller goaltenders. But you know, if he can stay on his feet a little bit longer, I think he's gonna have even better numbers than he does right now because. I think it was the Raquel goal yes, uh, no, uh, for the Penguins that it was very similar to, I forget who, what goal it was yesterday in the Bruins and Rangers game, but I'm pretty sure it was, I'm going to go pull it up because I'm conf- I, I, I don't like doing that. It was the Adam Fox goal, yeah. So a uh, shot from, you know, the mid-danger area, the slot. So I guess if you can kind of target those on all mark, that's what I would preferably want to see from this Maple Leafs team that has a ton of shooters. Um, get the pucks on net. He's beatable. He is, despite the numbers. The Penguins broke him pretty quickly. They scored like three goals in like two minutes um, in the second period. They're also likely going to be without Charlie McAvoy. Uh, Swayman won't be in. But in terms of goals per game, this is the best offensive team in the league right now. The Boston Bruins are number one, averaging 4.45 goals a game. Shots on goal, they're tied for fifth. Power play hasn't been great. It's in the middle of the pack at 13th. Their shooting percentage, though, has been extremely high. I mean, they are getting lucky. Um, they're second in the league at 12.4. Their face-offs is where they're really hurting teams. They're second in the league. That was a stat that the Leafs usually dominated last season. The Leafs are in the mid-pack at 16th right now. Um, so the Bruins, who play that, you know, they got Bergeron down the middle, Charlie Coyle, the return of Krejci. Does Krejci play perhaps on Saturday? Um, you know, they're pretty deep at center right now and they're having a great start. So the, the Leafs that like to play a very puck possession based style, um, you know, you give, a, you make a lot of turnovers tomorrow night and you give the puck away carelessly, you're going to be in serious trouble against the Bruins because they're quick rush between Marchand, Pasternak, uh, Taylor Hall, even, you know, they all have good speed and they can really burn you. And this is the Leafs defense. that's going to be without a guy like Jake Muzzin that, you know, would be a, a nice piece to have on the back end in a game like this that you know the Boston likes to play a little bit of a chippy style and they're quick and they like to get on the rush. So they're going to be without Jake. And, 
you know, have the Leafs do for that. I think you're going to see Jordano have a big night. The Leafs want to win this one. Defensively now, they're one of the best again in these categories. They're tied for fourth, uh, giving up 2.55 goals per game. The Bruins, um, they give up 30 shots a goal per game average. The Leafs are better in that category. Uh, they're only giving up about 28. Penalty kill, best in the league right now. It's the Boston Bruins, 94% penalty kill rate. They're first in the league. The Leafs are 21st with a 76%. That is a huge drop-off. That is a that is a stat that could perhaps win the game alone. Stay out of the penalty box if you're the Maple Leafs. Stay out of the penalty box if you're the Maple Leafs. David Pasternak, Marchand, Hampus Lindholm has done great too. Mac Rizlik, like they have weapons no matter if it's the first unit or the second unit. Taylor Hall even. Charlie Coyle has had some really good puck luck. So stay out of the penalty box, please. Um, and then in terms of penalty minutes, the Bruins take a lot of penalty minutes, but so do the Leafs. But the Bruins are tied for 24th right now, averaging 11. The Bruins aren't a dirty team, and I think that's why Wayne Simmons is getting back into the lineup for this one. But they're a chippy team. And they're not a dirty team, so I don't want to classify them as that, but they like to hover around that threshold. And what I mean by that is when they took on the Pittsburgh Penguins, they weren't afraid to kind of get in Jari's grill. Like there was a couple times where he was hit. um, And, you know, they used a lot of power-based efforts to get by the Penguins' defense. It wasn't really able to push them out in front or, you know, take their body off the puck. It was a very interesting kind of play style for the Penguins' defense in that game. That's why I think they kind of ended up blowing that lead. Um, eventually, as the game went on, they started to wear down the Penguins' defense. So the Maple Leafs don't have a huge blue line, so that's something I'm a little bit nervous about tomorrow. Uh, but they definitely do have some tough defensemen. You know, Giordano can hold his own. I'm sure Morgan Riley can as well. Um, but guys like Rasmus Sandin and Lilligren, how are the young defensemen going to do? Is Victor Mete going to draw in? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So definitely going to be interesting to watch. Um, the Bruins, though, uh, like their away record, they're four one and zero at home. They're six and zero undefeated. So, you know, maybe that's something to look out for. They they are on a seven game winning streak right now. Um, so that that is something to look out for. They're kind of due for a loss. They've they got lucky against the Penguins for sure in that game, although they were the better side, but. You know, this isn't a team like the old Boston Bruins that would dominate you in height, right, and physicality. They have the same height as the Maple Leafs average-wise at 6'1", um, and they're only two pounds heavier than the Leafs, and they have an, they're aged only older by a year, which is surprising because the Bruins are known as one of the older teams in the league. But, you know, the Maple Leafs, they, they, they've played pretty well against the Bruins the last couple of years in the regular season. Obviously, you know, the playoffs are a different story, but, you know, how is this young Maple Leafs team going to do um, before they, their tough stretch with, you know, they got Carolina, they got Vegas, then the Penguins. So how are they going to do against this very good Bruins team? It, I, it, I'll say this. If they win tomorrow night at Scotiabank Arena, I don't want to hear any negativity for, like, at least the next, like, five days because that would really shut up the reporter. All, like, the – like negative based media outlets that are trying to push the narrative that Sheldon Keefe needs to be fired and all that crazy stuff. If the Leafs can really pull off the, it's crazy. Cause like if you're a hockey fan, you are putting money down on the Bruins. But I, I looked at all the betting sites today. The Leafs are the favorite in this one. Uh, okay. Hey, like to me, I, I don't think that means anything, especially in hockey. There's so much luck and things could go one way or the other, but 
the fact the Leafs are the favorite that that's kind of interesting. Um, if I was betting though, that like Bruins as an underdog is certainly enticing, but I still think the Leafs are going to do good in this one. I project, I predict. You could check my prediction actually. Uh, Nathan Bondi, I'm sure is going to have a pregame article tomorrow. I, I won't really, I won't say what I expect. So you click and check out the article, but I'm pretty sure I like. Don't worry, go Leafs go. So um, check out for my prediction there. I was about to say it, but nope. Leafs are a good team. Bruins are a good team. It's going to be very entertaining. The Bruins play a very open style, so there's going to be lots of end-to-end rushes. It's going to be very undisciplined hockey, I feel like. It's going to be a good night to be at Coach Bank Arena. Um, so make sure you have your TV on, or if you're in the building, make sure you are you know, prepared for a fun game because if the Leafs can get some good saves from Sansonov, this game is certainly going to be uh, swing for swing. And these are two highly driven offenses. Um, with defenses that have been both I mean Bruins have had a very nice start and they've had good structure but they just lost four but right how do they do is McAvoy going to play he was on the ice um, so that's going to be fun to watch Grizzlick he's a good defenseman Lindholm has been superb in stepping up this year so far but I don't know I still like the Leafs in this one Um, but let's go to the last thing here on this episode it's been a while since I last recorded so Sorry if I'm a little bit out of it. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> but Eric Carlson has been, you know, the headline for the last week or so. Um, you know, he's had a tremendous few games here. I think he's second in the league in goals right now with 10 at the time of this recording. He looks like the old Eric Carlson, you know, finding pucks on net, taking advantage of the offensive zone. I think he has like I think he's been on the ice for 28 of 34 or 26 of 32 goals the Sharks have scored so far this season. He's been a you know beast offensively. This is a guy that you know before the draft before you know you had your fantasy drafts. I was like kind of saying like keep an eye on him in the later rounds because now that Burns was gone, he was gonna have that runway, take that offensive step. Um, and right now he's done that and he's really taken off with it. Maybe he's trying to play his way out of San Jose. And there's been lots of talk about trading for Eric Carlson from the Toronto Maple Leafs and. I gotta say, I gotta say this. I, like I love Morgan Riley, but I'm starting to get frustrated because, you know, I look at teams that have won the Stanley Cup. Their number one defensemen have been guys that can play on your power play without having you know too much of a controversy. They've been able to play on your penalty kill. They are the guys you send out against the other team's best opposition, and then they're the guys you also you know can rely on to score offensively. And right now, I think besides the offensive factor, you're not really getting those results from Morgan Riley. And you know. He did take, I guess, a pretty nice contract and, you know, what he probably could have gone in the open market. But right now he hasn't been great defensively. And the offensive metrics really show that, you know, his war, his wins above replacement level haven't been, you know, that much of a factor defensively. And it's kind of worrying. And would Eric Carlson solve that problem? 100%. Eric Carlson, for sure, I think right now, is one of the best defensemen in the league to start this year. Obviously, it's interesting to see Hedman. Hedman hasn't had the greatest start. But right now, I don't think it's too much of a debate that if the Norse is given out, it might be going to Eric Carlson because of how dominant he's been offensively. But no, I just I, I wouldn't do it because the, the contract, right? Like, uh, it's massive. Like, mass. If you were to trade for Carlson, though, I don't think you'd be giving up as much as people are really mocking out there because I think people know that contract's bad. 
And one thing about and it was this offseason, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure who it was. I was listening to a podcast and they said they were talking to some executives and they said the hardest thing to trade for right now in the NHL is cap space. And that's the most coveted thing. So I really don't think it would take a lot to pry San Jose to move on from Eric Carlson, especially because they're starting their next phase into a rebuild. And he would help them kind of get closer to Bedard's if they did trade him. So um, I don't think it would take that much. It would be interesting. Maybe a couple second-round picks uh, because, like I said, cap space, that's a bad contract. And it could, like, be, like, this could be just a streaky start, streaky month. And then you're stuck with that. So, to me, I don't think Dubas makes that decision. There, to me, there's a guy out there. It's a forward. Plays the left wing. You can easily slide him in your top six. Guess what? He can fight. He's an SOB to play against. Um, he can get in your face. That guy, Tyler Bertuzzi. We all know his contract status. It's been a name I always talk about in this pod. He's, you know, non, I guess he doesn't have that great relationship with the Red Wings right now. He's been out with an injury. Dominic Kubelik has fit in real well. And I wonder with, you know, the young core there in Detroit and how they're going to have to get ready to pay these guys if they walk with Bertuzzi. You know, they're going to have to pay Larkin, who's been red hot this season. He's definitely going to get paid. Maybe a guy like Bertuzzi becomes available and, you know, trading within the division is obviously something that's always awkward. But I think right now if the Detroit Red Wings slip and they really fade out of a playoff spot, Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that I would love to see here in the top six, and I think he brings what a lot of the Leafs nation, you know, a lot of what this Leafs fan base is really trying to prioritize, and he brings, you know, goals, scoring. He's got good skating. He's got some, you know, relatively good speed, and he's physical, and he's a pest, and, you know, he's not. He's a guy that can really, I don't want to say, like, replicate that Hyman role because they're different players, but he can do that kind of Hyman role. He's a work engine, right? Like, he won't stop. The situation that we just saw with Konechny, Bertuzzi will for sure toss hands. Um, and, you know, it's always good to have a second Michael Bunting. He's kind of that rat mold like Bunting. So credit to Bertuzzi because if we should swing a deal for him, that's where I would do it. Um, obviously, if J- Jake Munson doesn't come back, then you got to have that conversation about what you do on the back end. But uh, I'm excited for this team. And it's going to be nice to see what the future holds. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. Hopefully, at least beat the Bruins tomorrow. We'll be back with you guys again next week. Tell me,
Not gonna try.